So does God want us poor or rich? What does the Bible say? It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown, your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Michael Brown is the director of the Coalition of Conscience and president of Fire School of Ministry. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Uh, Friends, we have switched our schedule around today so as to be able to take your calls to follow up on yesterday's program where we talked about the prosperity gospel and a recent interview with Kenneth Copeland that has gone viral. Obviously, you know where the secular media is coming from. You know what they're going to do with any of us is basically going to be a hit piece. But the question is, what about the content of the interview? Does God want his people wealthy today? Are riches a blessing? Are riches a curse? Are we looking at the, looking at this the wrong way? We'll talk about that. 866-34-TRUTH. What's your take? 866-348-7884. Now, I, I want to make a few comments about yesterday's show because I had a very distinct mission and goal. And I prayed and felt the Lord wanted me to address things in a certain way yesterday. And we sought to accomplish those goals. I'm, I'm looking on our YouTube channel. Uh, the video is watched over 5,000 times already on YouTube, which one of our shows, that, that's, that's a good start. And thumbs up, 166. Thumbs down, 29. Now, I'm not evaluating truth based on what people like or don't like. However, when you do something controversial like this, and the likes to the dislikes are better than five to one, that indicates to me that in many ways we hit our goal in terms of what we talked about on the show. Again, today we're going to dive in deeper to the prosperity message, what's right, what's wrong, what's truth, what's danger, what's heresy, etc. And we'll also talk about bad fruit, good fruit, either from critics or from people that are preaching wrong doctrines. We're going to evaluate that. My goal is to help you be and do everything God is calling you to be and do. My goal is not just to give you information, but to help you sort things out on your own and walk in a way that's honoring and pleasing to the Lord. Uh, let's just put up a few of the comments that I noticed that came in on YouTube that I appreciate and thank you for posting. Go ahead, put up the first slide there. Uh, Gossamer Doll, God bless you, Dr. Brown, for your continued patience and willingness to discuss these difficult issues. Thanks. That's our, that's our goal. Our goal is not to be controversial. Our goal is not just to get people watching or listening. Our goal is to be edifying, constructive. So for over a decade on the radio now, daily radio, we have weighed in on controversial issues with the goal being more light than heat. Uh, Let's go to the second slide. Again, these are some of the responses from Mel. Fantastic. (laughs) Balanced perspective, Dr. Brown. I know we normally post just what the critics say, but here we're giving you some positive ones. I'm so grateful for your ministry because it is truly unique, particularly since I just watched American Gospel, the documentary. I was feeling somewhat despairing and grieved that we had gotten everything wrong in the American church except for the reform stream, of course. Uh Uh-huh. As someone who speaks in tongues and is thus not a cessationist, I was starting to question so many things. Your message today really helped recenter my heart and mind on the biblical truth, which is more nuanced and less extreme judgmental. 
needlessly black and white on secondary issues. Thank you, and God bless. Again, that that was the goal of the show, to address difficult issues and to sort things out biblically. Let's look at one more slide, then I want to play a clip for you. Take a look at one more. Jason, praying for you, brother in Christ, thank you for your faithfulness to truth and to the integrity of the Word of God. Hey, hey, look, here's the deal. You don't need to make me happy, and I don't need to make you happy. We need to please the Lord. You don't have to meet my standard of truth. I don't have to meet your standard of truth. We bow before the Word of God. All right? Someone said, I noticed a YouTube comment, Brother, you're failing. Titus 1 says you have to rebuke false teachers. Well, the question is, what if I don't think the person you think is a false teacher is a false teacher? All right? So Brother A says to me, you need to rebuke Brother B. He's a false teacher. Brother B says to me, you need to rebuke Sister C. She's a false teacher. Do I do what the people are asking me to do, or do I do my best to evaluate scripturally? And then based on that, present truth. So here, let me show you something. I had people, a few comments on YouTube I noticed, and I I did my best to look at many of them to to hear your hearts and get your feedback. But you can call in today, 866-34-TRUTH. And I welcome calls from people that differ with me, 866-3487-884. But in in short, some people say, it was just a waste of time. You took an hour and didn't answer anything. No, actually, I I addressed everything I was going to address. I addressed issues of criticism. I addressed how we evaluate things and how you can evaluate my own ministry. I, I even talked about why I went on Benny Hinn's show and was it a mistake or not. Talked about that, even though it's years and years back and one thing out of decades of ministry. We talked about evaluating the prosperity message, even though we'd spent hours doing that in the past and written about it. We addressed the things that I said I was going to address. And I read a long email from a critic of Kenneth Copeland who says that he's demon-possessed. Now, I know people that I have a close relationship with dear, dear friends that love Jesus, that are thoroughly Orthodox believers, that are some of the most highly respected leaders in the entire body of Christ in the world. And some of them said, I've been friends with Kenneth Copeland for over 40 years. He's a man of God. He's, he's, his, his team is godly. They honor the Lord. They walk in great integrity and, and they wept when they saw the interview and knowing how it was going to be used. All right. So you got one person saying he's demon possessed. You got someone else known for 40 years. And this person I know well, I don't know Kenneth Copeland at all, but this person I know well, they're going to vow. Okay. So what we have to do is say, okay, well, what does scripture say? What does scripture say? And, and now let's evaluate. Here's what scripture says. Here's what this person teaches. Here's what scripture says. Here's how this person lives. That's all that we can do. Right. But here's why it takes time and effort and diligence. I saw a link that someone posted on on my YouTube channel, and he said, hey, I've posted a series of videos critiquing Justin Peters. And I'm going to ask him about it because we're going to try to talk privately about some things. Just been emailing each other. And, And someone says, hey, I did this critique, a whole series critiquing Justin Peters. He's never responded. So everybody... Listen carefully, watch carefully, okay, what, what you're about to see. This is very, very important. Let's, let's take a look. A good example of this can be seen in this clip of Bill Johnson, the pastor of Bethel Church in Redding, California. This from Bill Johnson. 
I don't know, did you know that Jesus was born again? Did you know that Jesus was born again? See, they teach that Jesus died spiritually in hell, ceased to be God, and had to be born again. He had to get saved. In fact, Bill Johnson doesn't believe that Jesus was born again in hell, but that his resurrection was a rebirth, which is perfectly biblical. Today I have begotten you. The second psalm. You're my beloved son, today I have begotten you. Acts 13 tells us that that phrase from the Father, today I have begotten you, is in reference to the resurrection. So he was born through Mary, the virgin, and then he was born again in resurrection. Ah, I asked Bill Johnson point blank when he was interviewed about that very thing, and he explained point blank what he believed. Now, I've got to ask Justin Peters, have you revised that, etc., or or was that in right context, etc.? I have been quoted out of context. There are YouTube clips that that, that it misrepresent everybody. Okay, I heard in this. I've heard snippets. I've been guilty of this. I've heard snippets. I've replayed them on the air. This was years back, only to find out that the person had subsequently repudiated that, or it was taken out of context. It's not actually what they meant. So you got to be careful. You say, well, Doctor Brown, you need to study this more. I am not called to evaluate what every ministry is doing on the planet or particular ministries or every charismatic ministry any more than Southern Baptist leader. His whole ministry is to, to give account for what other Southern Baptists teach and give evaluation. Why? I, listen, you run your race, I'll run my race, and that way we can honor the Lord. And where there are issues and questions, we'll address them. And when I feel there are abuses, I reach out to people privately. If I don't have private access, I write or address it publicly. I may even put out a whole book dealing with the issues, as we've done with some of these abuses. So uh, one, one, more, one more point, and then we're going to the phones. And the rest of the show, we're going to be interacting. So call now if you want to get on 866-34-TRUTH. Yes, the Bible warns about heresy and false teaching. Very very clearly. And I raise my voice alongside of Scripture to say we must be on guard for things that deviate from the fundamental truths of the Word. And at the same time, the Bible warns very, very strongly about judging with inadequate criteria. One of the worst sins that we can commit is the sin of judging falsely, judging wrongly, judging superficially, judging hypocritically. There are warnings about that throughout the New Testament, and they're very strong. And, and James Jacob says there's, there's one judge and lawgiver who can save and destroy. There's one. There's one. So, so don't, don't you go around judging your brother. At the same time, we are absolutely called to, to judge error and to call out error. But you better be sure you have your information. I, I watched the interview with Kenneth Copeland and, and the gal that was speaking to him. I disagreed with certain points about, about wealth, etc., and, and we'll get into that. If you missed it yesterday, we'll expand on it more today, and we'll, we'll discuss it. We'll go back and forth, all right? But I thought he was really trying to be loving and gracious towards this gal and saying, hey, I know why you're here, etc., but I, 
That's what I, others said, I saw demons in his eyes. Others said he was flirting. That's judging. That's judging. Okay. I, <laughs> I have misjudged people. Thankfully, I didn't do it on national radio or thankfully I didn't do it in, in a national or international article or something like that. But, but look, you, you get so, I have misjudged people over the years. I have thought someone was proud when, when they were quiet. I have thought someone was, was uppity when they were just insecure. I have misjudged people. And, and I have thought that certain people, you know, they were hoarding this for themselves. Instead, they were jealously getting money to give it all away to the poor. And I misjudged them. And thankfully, it was, never got beyond my heart, never got to my lips. We got to be careful. God cares about these things. He really does. We'll be right back. It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks for joining us on the Line of Fire. What does the Bible say about poverty, about wealth? What does the Bible say about provision? What does the Bible say about generosity? What does the Bible say about sowing and reaping? What does the Bible say about where our hearts are to be and what our relationships should be to possessions? 866 three, four truth. Hey friends, if you appreciate what we're doing, if you believe in what we're doing and want to stand with us and help us produce more cutting edge content and go where others might be afraid to go or go to places where folks might not want to go. I mean, intellectually, ideologically, theologically, culturally, and do so with grace and truth, become a Patreon supporter. Would you do that today? Put aside pennies a day, 30 something cents a day, $10 or more per month, become a Patreon partner and get two bonus shows on video every single week. So go to patreon.com forward slash ask Dr. Brown, ASK Dear Brown. If you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, we've got that info for you right up in the show description. Patreon.com forward slash ask Dr. Brown. Help us reach more people. Help amplify our voice. Let's go to the phones. We'll start in Arizona with Jesse. Welcome to the line of fire. Hi, Dr. Brown. Um, thank you for taking my call. Uh, I just wanted to ask you about uh, a, a question on prosperity and uh, and the word of faith. Um, and mm-hmm. I know that you don't subscribe to the word of faith, but um, and you know, it's because there's a lot of uh, critics that you know rightly call it out. Um, a lot of aspects of it, like the Joel Osteen camp, that you know people say, "I want a Lamborghini. I want a Lamborghini. I want a Lamborghini." You know and um, it's sort of like you're trying to like bend God's arm, mm-hmm. but you know I do see like different varieties. So I just wanted to ask you on this on this type, since you know you're 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 really biblically fair minded. So um, I, I one time attended this uh, Pentecostal church service uh, over here where I live at nearby, and they were praying for um, healing, uh, restoration on people, and also you know for God to help the economic situation of of the people there, like if they're in debt or something. Yeah. And, you know, I was praying like that too. And I was praying, you know, God, uh, please heal this um, person. Uh, please um, help them with their debt situation. Um, and then um, there was an, like a leader that was part of that church service. Uh, he, he overheard uh, my prayers and 
well, he didn't really rebuke me. He more uh, wanted to correct me, I guess, uh, where he was saying, instead of, you know, asking, you know, please uh, heal it, uh, please disease leave, you know, or please, you know. Uh, yeah, t- 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 tell you what, let me, let, me, let me try to weigh in, Jesse, and, and, and help bring some clarity. All right, the biggest issue I've had with Word of Faith teaching is that some have preached a heretical doctrine about the cross and said that Jesus not only died on the cross, but he suffered in hell. Okay, saying that he suffered in hell, I don't believe is biblical, but it is not heretical in itself. To say that he was tortured by Satan, that he ceased to be God and was born again as a glorified man, that is heresy. And there have been some in the Word of Faith camp who've preached that. That is a heretical doctrine. All right. To, to say that we confess the Word, I believe in that. To say that we are overcomers in Jesus, I believe in that. To emphasize our identity being in Him, I believe in that. To speak the Word of God, get it in our hearts and our minds, and to say I have to align myself with what Scripture says, I believe in that. So th- those are all things that Word of Faith people do that I agree with. And I agree that healing is for today and that our assumption is that God desires to heal the sick, that there's a yes from heaven. That's our assumption. Those are things I believe based on Scripture. If I have set my heart on earthly things and I'm trying to use the word to get myself earthly things for my personal gain and satisfaction, that is carnality, that is serious error. That is a a big, big error in the prosperity gospel that says that Jesus died to make me wealthy, that Jesus died so that I could be rich. He died so we could be rich spiritually and be with the Lord forever. But we are not promised earthly riches. Now, let me, let me take this further. I absolutely believe in divine provision. I believe that God continues to honor his word and that as we sow generously, we reap generously. And I, I, you're, many of you listening and watching, you're among the people that through the gospel, through honoring the Lord, putting him first, working hard, ethics, generosity, sowing into the kingdom, you've seen God's blessing on your finances. And that's scriptural. That, that, that's never gone away. But it is not the purpose of the cross or the goal of the cross. And since we do not live for earthly things, we may be called on to forsake everything. Or if you have a beautiful home or a beautiful car, your heart is not in that. You thank God for it and you use it for his glory, but your heart is not caught up in those things. Jesus warns about covetousness. Paul warns against those who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. At the same time, Paul has words of wisdom for those who are rich in this world, not to put their trust in uncertain riches, but to lay up sure foundations in heaven and to be generous. And we know that the gospel was underwritten by people who had money and that God uses people of substance to be a great blessing. And any of you who've been caught up in in severe poverty know that that is not a blessing in itself, that it's not a blessing to to not know where your next meal is coming from, that it's not a blessing for for a mother to wonder, how am I going to feed my children? My husband's dead and I've got no resources. How are we going to live? And those of you who've been crippled by debt, maybe uh, there was a medical crisis and because of that, you're in terrible debt. 
Maybe you made some unwise investments or you thought they were, you got taken advantage of, and you're in terrible debt. That's a curse that weighs on you. It drains you. I, I, can, I can handle angry, potentially violent crowds much more easily than I can handle unrelenting financial pressure, all right? And then when some person, a businessman or a businesswoman, blessed by God, says, hey, the Lord spoke to me to send your ministry $50,000 or $100,000, and suddenly you're able to reach the people you wanted to reach, and you're, and you're able to do what you wanted to do, and that burden lifts off. It's, oh, thank God for that. So I, I do have an issue with folks that just sit around and criticize, and they do very little to fund the gospel, and they're criticizing someone whose message may be off balance, but is funding the gospel around the world. And then here's, here's something else just to throw out, and, and thanks Thanks for your question. And by the way, Jesse, if your emphasis was on whether to say please or not when praying, that's a, that's a whole other subject. But where we can speak, we speak. Where we can proclaim, we proclaim. When we need to ask, we ask. It falls into different categories. But, but let, me, let me just make one more point here. Which is better in God's sight? All right? Someone has a church congregation and the congregation is bringing in $200,000 a year. And this person, pastor with young family, in order to live in their neighborhood, they leave about, need about $60,000, $70,000. the board said, hey, we can budget that out. You get you know, $70,000 salary, and that's just a, a moderate income in the neighborhood in which we live. You know, some parts of New York or California, you can't do anything with that money. You know, other parts of the country would be rich with that. But so you, 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 that's what we can budget out. And we can't bring out only one extra staff person here. And we can give only a certain amount to missions, et cetera. All right. So there's that scenario. Or a ministry generates, let's make a high number, $50 million, $50 million. The leader of the ministry gets a salary of $250,000. All right. And so proportionately, it's a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of the whole. It's, it's what, one two hundredth of the whole, whereas this other pastor is getting one third of the whole. And this ministry gives away 20% of all their income to missions. And in this type of level where this person operates and so on, that 250000 is considered good and, that, and, and the board says that's, that's a fair salary. That's got to be, there's not just a right or wrong there. In other words, you can't say, well, that one makes 70000 that one makes 250000 and make a judgment based on that because there are a thousand other issues to look at. Someone raised this issue today. Why is it right for a pastor minister to own a car or to take a plane when they could get around for less money taking a bus or taking a Greyhound bus across the country? Well, all the, it's not convenient. You got this. You got, okay. So someone would say in our ministry for me to get to this place, this place, this place, this place and meet with the people I'm supposed to meet with that we need a private plane. And here's how it's justified. And here's how our boards worked it out. And we can be totally transparent about it. And this makes good sense stewardship. It might. It might make better sense than flying commercial. The vast, 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 vast majority of ministry colleagues that I work with and know, even of large ministries, do not have private planes and they they fly commercial. But I know some that do. And it makes good stewardship sense. It's not a $60 million plane, by the way but it makes good sense for them to do it. All right. And yeah, if a four or five hour flight, you got to go to the bathroom first because there's not bathrooms on. And it's not, like I said, some mega million dollar plane. But the, the, the point is that when you look at the maintenance, the flight, this, that, who they're seeing, what they're doing, 
that it actually makes good sense from a stewardship perspective. Those are the issues that have to be evaluated. We can't just evaluate based on the surface of things. Okay. We, we can't, I, I was critical of someone's ministry. Uh, I didn't speak it. I was just talking to a friend and I was critical because of some of the finances person said, don't you know, this person doesn't take a salary. They're rich from real estate. All their, all their, per, the, the house they live in, all this, that's, they were very rich in real estate before they went into ministry and they've continued to cultivate it. They don't take money from their supporters. I didn't know that. I judged by outward appearance. So let's judge righteously. Let's judge fairly. And let's judge in a way that's full of faith and edification as opposed to tearing down. All right, straight to your calls when we come back. 866-34-TRUTH. Got a couple of phone lines open, which is unusual. So give us a call. We're ready to talk with you. It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get into the Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. You know, there are all kinds of promises in the book of Proverbs about generosity and financial blessing. And there are a lot of verses in the New Testament about that as well. And they're absolutely true. At the same time, we are called not to put our heart into earthly treasures to live in light of eternity and to practice a pattern of generous and even sacrificial giving for the kingdom. These are important values. There is truth in the message of prosperity. There is error in the message of prosperity. What we want to do is be biblical, not reactionary. 866-34-TRUTH. Welcome to the line of fire. Hey, next week, I'm going to be speaking with Ann Polk on the front lines of the ex-gay movement, having come out of lesbianism herself. There's an important conference coming up in Minnesota. Just put it on your, in Robbinsdale, Minnesota. Put this on your calendar, June 21st and 22nd. It's a Friday, Saturday, all right? It's just two and a half weeks out. Friday, Saturday, this is a Restored Hope Network conference. If you are struggling with same-sex attraction, have a family member that is, gender identity issues, this is a great conference to attend if you're anywhere in the Minnesota area. 866-34-TRUTH. Let's go to the phones. Sean in Texas, welcome to the line of fire. Hey, Dr. Brown, how are you today? Doing well, thank you. Good, good. Um, I just wanted to say, I wanted to say one thing and then I'm going to get out of, get get the question out. Um, uh, I, I came to faith inside of a, a charismatic Word of Faith church and, uh, and I kind of blindly followed that for uh, maybe like the first three or four years. And then I discovered Apologetics and uh, Walter Martin, Robbie Zacharias. And I'm still charismatic. I'm a little more objective in what, what I see now. And, uh, and so I've, I've, I've been on a personal security detail at my church where, you know, the pastor will say, oh, well, we don't. I don't take a salary, and and I, I don't think he's corrupt or anything like that. But at the same time, he he uh, you know, I fill his gas tank up every day, and and his, and only his family, you know. So you know, okay, I don't take a, a salary, but you do get something, and your million dollar house is actually uh, tax exempt because it's considered a parish. So that's one thing that kind of 
it kind of bothers me because it's like look out for me and mine and, and the the flock, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. So I, I understand. So go ahead. Okay. So my second thing, my my question is is uh, I always hear people they always say uh, negative things about the prosperity message and everything, but they never define when it becomes heretical. Um, you know, Kenneth Copeland, like we have Jesse Duplantis come to our church every single year, and I can't listen to him anymore. Uh, at all, I have to leave the the sanctuary. Um, at what point does it become heretical? Because I know people that when he preaches, all it does is stir up the desire to make money. And I know these people are Christians, but it's like, at what point do we say that person is heretical right. based on what they've said? You right. Know? So, so Sean, these these are important questions, and I appreciate the fact that on the one hand, you are raising questions and are concerned. On the other hand, you're guarding against an overly critical spirit because I've, I've been there, Sean, I've, I've been on the overly critical side. And because I've got some yeah. biblical scholarship behind me, it was easy for me to judge everybody and tear everybody down. And here you've got, in some cases, I'm not naming names or, but someone that loves the Lord and may have a certain, you know, they mispronounce the Hebrew or the Greek and I'm, I'm judging them and they're doing more for Jesus than I am sitting there in my seat of judgment. On the other hand, we're called to, to be discerning and we're called to recognize error and we're called to to rebuke error, etc. So here's here's what I believe is true about the prosperity message, and here's what I believe is heretical about it, okay? What I believe mm-hmm. is true is that God's an abundant God, that we need to have an attitude of infinite supply in Him for the gospel, and that as we serve Him and honor Him, that He is generous to those who are generous, and that blessing comes as, as we, we honor the Lord with our lives. However, prosperity is not necessarily financial gain. Prosperity is, is having what you need in the moment to glorify God and to live. You know, that's so, so it might be uh, surviving in the midst of persecution, uh, living in a hut where, where every day there's, a, you know, a, a bird drops a piece of bread at your feet. You know, uh, it could be generating millions through your company and living on 10% because you're giving 90% away. See, if, if, if a prosperity preacher was putting in the heart of businessmen and, and people who, who can make money, a desire to, to make money to support the gospel worldwide and a desire to make money to give it all away, that would be commendable. But that's, that's yeah. not only what's going to happen when you give people a desire to make money, they're going to become covetous and carnal. So here's where where prosperity message would be heretical. If you actually taught that Jesus died to make you financially rich, that Jesus went to the cross, that you're going to say 2 Corinthians 9, that, that, that he became poor, that we through his poverty might become rich, and that that is, that is mm. a fundamental purpose of the gospel, that's a dangerous error. If you say that godliness and ministry, this is a means to financial gain. Paul says that it's people of corrupt mind who have that attitude in 1 Timothy 6. If you cultivate a desire for wealth, if you cultivate the love of money as part of a gospel message, that's heretical. If you preach here, mm-hmm. the, most, the most giving church in America, I believe, is, is Gateway Church in South Lake, Texas. I'm friends with Robert Morris. I preach for Robert Morris in Gateway. I know many of the people there. They're people of integrity, etc. Okay. They give away as as far as I know right now, 1.2 million dollars per month to missions. 
$1.2 million they give away to missions. Robert told me early on, I don't preach prosperity. I preach generosity. That's our message. And he Amen. said, if, if you preach tithing to get more money into your church, God won't bless that. If you teach tithing so that the people will be blessed in their personal finances, God would bless that. So again, the motivation of the heart is a big thing. I know businessmen, they love the Lord and they get together and they pray and they strategize for ways to make more money in their business. But their whole goal is support the gospel, support the gospel, have their own lifestyles increased and improved. Yeah, to a degree, but then it stops there because that's, they're not looking for more. Now, the, the biggest concern though, I would have Sean is, is a larger word of faith emphasis that can often deny reality, but you know, I, by a stripes I'm healed as, as you're buried, right? Or worse still, preach a heretical doctrine of atonement that, that I addressed earlier in the broadcast. But Sean, may the Lord give you wisdom. May he, may he give you wisdom. I personally would have no concern if a pastor said, I don't take a salary from the church and he gets benefits of, of having his gas tank filled. I mean, that's, that's nothing, right? Uh, that wouldn't concern me. If, however, he's getting all kinds of other perks or he's selling his books through the church and making thousands of dollars on book sales generated within his own church that then go back into his own pocket. And he says, I don't take a salary. Those kinds of things would concern me more. Hey, thanks for, for calling and for your honesty. 866-34-TRUTH. Let's go to Andrew in Maryland. Welcome to the line of fire. Hello, Hello Dr. Sir. Brown. How are you? Hey, good, good. Go ahead. All right. I'm, I'm glad you addressed this topic, and I also wanted to make a bit of a general co comment, and I hope you don't mind me plugging in a few of your books right now right, about this, dude. Yeah. Why would I mind? Go All ahead. Right. Anyway, I, anyway, I was fascinated by this topic of prosperity gospel and cessationism versus charismatic versus the charismatic movement, and mm -hmm. well... As for, as for me, I identify a bit as charismatic in a way, like I believe in the gifts of the Spirit are for today, but I still kind of want to be careful of what what should be real, considered real and what isn't. And that and and just a few months and just a few months ago, I bought two of your books, Authentic Fire and Playing with Holy Fire. While at the same time, I bought John MacArthur's Strange Fire, so I can see a little more Good. where he's coming from. So, Good. so yeah, so yeah, I'm kind of still studying on it, but I still believe in the gifts of the Spirit. So, just wanted to let you know about that. Good, good, yeah. And Andrew, by all means, please, I, I'm so glad that you got Authentic Fire and Strange Fire. This way, you can really see what right. Pastor MacArthur says, see his concerns then read my response, see where I agree, see where I differ. And then you can lay them out. You can evaluate them based on scripture, based on fruit. But that's the way to do it, to read both. So friends, if you bought Strange Fire, buy Authentic Fire. If you bought Authentic Fire, buy Strange Fire. Uh, unless you're already in one camp and just need to inform yourself of what the other one says, and that's why you got it. But good for you. I'm, I'm glad you did that. And, and, and listen, friends, and thanks for the call, sir. Uh, here, <clears throat> let me say this. Plainly, I believe in God's provision. I have friends of mine whose whole life is world missions. That's all they're given to. Missions, missions, missions. They, they live, breathe, sleep, eat. That's it. Missions, missions, missions. It's everything to them. And they believe that the word of faith and prosperity message was God doing something to bring about a spirit of generosity and provision from the church. And things went in a direction of carnality. 
In other, in other words, you have a pendulum over here, all right? And 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 it's stuck over here. It's it's too far to the, to the right as, as I'm holding my hands, okay? All right, right and left are arbitrary here. It's too far to the right. And and it's stuck on this mentality that the less money you have, the holier you are. The poorer you are, the holier you are. And 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 you 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 don't treat ministers right. You know, you the 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 more difficult their life, the better, because they're ministers. The less money they have, the better, because they're ministers, all right? And very little given generosity to, towards missions and the poor. Well, God wants to correct that, and he brings a message of provision and generosity and blessing to get you to the middle. Well, it now swings all the way over to the left, where I'm confessing, you know, a, a Porsche or something like that. Or I, I, I got on my, my, my refrigerator door, this this mega expensive piece of jewelry that I want, and I'm confessing. So it, it went from generosity and provision over to greed, all right? But if it swings back, then let it go the way of generosity and provision. There is a healthy balance between, say, a word of faith church with an extreme prosperity message that is super generous and gives a lot to missions but has some real serious error and produces a lot of carnal believers. There's a balance between that and this hypercritical church that, that gives almost nothing to missions and to help the poor. There's a healthy balance of provision, generosity, abundance for the gospel, but my heart is ultimately beating for the gospel, for eternal things, while I share the goodness of God in this world. All right, back with your call. Stay here. It's the Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Get into the Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. All right, right back to the phones. We go to Rod in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Welcome to the Line of Fire. Uh, Thank you, Dr. Brown. The first time I've called in. Uh, well, thank you, sir. I decided to talk to the dangerous Dr. Michael Brown. That's it. That's um, it. You said earlier, oh, but first of all, I graduated from Kenneth Hagin School back in 1984 and uh, very familiar with Word of Faith theology. And in fact, the past couple of years, I've been acting somewhat as a Word of Faith apologist. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are a lot of misconceptions. You said something a while ago that caused me concern. Uh, you said that uh, there's heresy that uh, Jesus died spiritually, ceased to that, be God. That he, yeah, yeah, that he ceased to be God, that he was tortured by right. Satan in hell, ceased to be God, and was born again as a glorified man. I, I would say that's absolutely heresy. Uh, now, I don't believe Kenneth Hagin taught that. I don't think he did. But uh, you can right. correct me on that. Well, but he, yeah, the, the, no, the he, idea I, the never, idea of Jesus suffering in hell, I don't agree with. But I don't believe that's heresy. The idea that Jesus suffered okay. in hell that some believe I don't believe that's heresy. And I know the scriptures that that are used to support that to say that he was tortured by Satan in hell that he ceased to be God and was born again as a glorified man. That's definitely heresy. Okay. Now, as far as the, the suffering in hell, I'm sure you're aware of what John Calvin said about that. 
Why don't you give the quote uh, about that? It was in his Institutes of the Christian Religion. He said something like, uh, bodily punishment alone wouldn't suffice that Jesus had to suffer at close quarters with the horrors of hell. Got it. So that could have happened on the cross just as well. But, but either way, we're not debating that point. You would agree with me, right. though, sir? Because, I, I, look, I speak at conferences sometimes, apologetics conferences, where they have, uh, they actually have sections you know, on the cults, the Mormons, this, you know, the Jehovah's Witnesses, and Word of Faith. Okay, I, I actually have spoken in conferences like that. My, my sister-in-law is a Rhema grad. I have friends of mine who are Rhema grads, and they are solid Orthodox believers that, that are all mainstream on all the fundamental points. And here and there, we'd have some differences. And I believe that things have swung in certain ways to dangerous extremes. That's what I warn about. But anyhow, back to you. Go ahead, please. Okay, well... You know, a lot of the things that you said, I, I wouldn't dispute that those things are taught. Personally, my, I have a very mainstream view on this issue, and a lot of Word of Faith people do. Mm-hmm. But uh, the point of contention is that Jesus ceased to be God. I don't, I've never heard anybody say that. So who who is it that you're—are you quoting somebody, or are you just— well, well, here's the deal. I, I, I am quoting things that I read, but because— the person, as far as I know, no longer teaches that. I don't want to associate your name with it. That's why I'm just referring okay. to But as long as we both agree on that, that that's, that's heretical, the idea that Jesus died on the cross and then while he was uh, subject to death, you know, the pangs of death that Peter talks about in, in, in Acts 2, that they couldn't hold him, that during that time he suffered the equivalent of eternal punishment on our behalf, and that was part of death and part of the cross. I don't agree with that, but I don't believe that's heretical. So uh, right. let me ask you this one one question. I, I want to get some other calls, but how would okay. you define, as a Word of Faith apologist, sir, uh, how would you define prosperity biblically? Well, have you read Kenneth? I think you have, because I think you mentioned it. Uh, Midas Touch? Book, the Midas Touch, a balanced approach to biblical prosperity. Yeah. Uh, Some years back. That's what we were taught. When I graduated from Rhema in 1984, the focus on faith and the teaching on faith was primarily in the area of healing. Correct. Correct. And and Hagen actually never wrote a book on prosperity, except a corrective one. That's what I believe he said. Well, he had a couple of little mini-books on prosperity that were taken from transcripts, but you're right. He never wrote... He never just actually sat down and wrote any book other than the Midas Touch. But, uh, you know, the extremism on prosperity began after I graduated. And here's what I tell people. There are two wings of the Word of Faith movement. There's the Kenneth Hagin, Rhema wing, and then there's the televangelist wing. Mm -hmm. The, The televangelist wing is where you see things go nuts in the area of prosperity. And the ones that are really prospering are the televangelists, getting a lot of money exactly. coming in their way. Right, right. Exactly. You know, and, and I have no use for people who do that, who abuse the scriptures for fundraising. I have no use for that. I don't think Kenneth Hagin had any use for that approach either. Got it. Uh, but Kenneth Hagin said that biblical prosperity is being, uh, 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 let's see, how did he put it, something about using abundant resources to further the kingdom of God. And, right, and, uh, and that's something I, I, I think we'd all agree on. Hey, hey listen, Rod, th- this is why everything must be nuanced and accurate. 
In other words, we can make sweeping statements about, about the Baptists, about the Charismatics, about the Catholics, about the Word of Faith, about the Jews, mm-hmm. about any group. And, and the moment we do that, we are now in danger of mixing truth with, with error, exaggerating, etc. So, Rod, thank you for calling. I, I appreciate it. And thank you for making that distinction. We'll let people work it out. And we're, we're, we're giving opportunity for callers to weigh in. Hey, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Uh, call another time, all right? Don't be a stranger. 866-34-TRUTH. Donald in Tennessee, you're up next. What's on your mind? Dr. Brown, I'd like to change gears just a minute if I could. Yeah, as long as we stay on subject, change gears. Yeah. It says we're we're not talking about the prosperity gospel, but the gospel. What can you define what the gospel is? Because I see in Luke nine one through six that the apostles went out and preached the gospel before Jesus even went to the cross. And most people, their conception of the good news, the gospel, is that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. So how could they preach the gospel before Jesus even died? Ah, so the right. So the preaching of the gospel, which I believe even goes back, the first reference may be into Matthew, the fourth chapter, where, where the Greek word is used for that. Right, it's the, the arrival of the kingdom of God, the inbreaking of the kingdom of God. That's you know, preach and heal was what they were sent to do. So they were, they were called to preach repentance, turn away from your sin, turn to God. Why? Because the kingdom of God is at hand, and that was the good news. So that's where it starts. Is that your point? Yeah, um, well... That's what I, the way I interpret it, I said that to me, that was the gospel, and, and now Jesus comes along and dies, and now people say, well, the gospel is Jesus died for our sins. I'll go, well, what happened, what happened to the old gospel? Did it get abolished? Right, so how do you put it together then? Well, it, <laughs> that's a good in point. In other words, Paul says, 1 Corinthians 15, now, brothers, I want, you, I want to clarify for you the gospel I proclaim to you, you received it, have taken your stand on it. You were also saved by it if you hold to the message I proclaim to you, unless you believe for no purpose. For I passed on to you is most important what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, that he appeared to safest then to the twelve, etc. So the, the point is, it's one and the same message. The kingdom of God is arriving. The kingdom of God is at hand. The king is here. Ah! But it's not the way you expect. The king is now going to die for your sins so that you can be saved and forgiven and have a personal relationship with God. And now, Romans 14, 17, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, etc. So now the kingdom of God living within us and we advancing the kingdom on the earth through the gospel. But it all goes back to the cross. It was pointing towards the cross. Now we preach it in the fullness of the cross. So both and. Thank you, Donald. Uh, let's see. Uh, Jesse in Minnesota. Welcome to the line of fire. Time is short, so dive right in. All right. So uh, here's the question. How can you trust a pastor, teacher, prophet? That's the underlying question. Uh, with that, let's say that there is they're a charismatic uh, authority figure, and they appear to be doing miracles and things like that. How do you know the real thing? And I have a couple of qualifications here. First of all, is it by them saying Jesus is Lord? Is it by their personal testimony being convincing? Is it by their fruit? Uh, or is it by something else? Right. So, so Jesse, great questions. You, you have the creedal test and you have the moral test, okay? So first, uh-huh. you evaluate what does this person preach? 
All right. And, and many critics uh-huh. seek to do that. I say just do it fairly in a balanced way. Evaluate what this person actually teaches. So line it up with the, the main issues. Peripherals we're always going to differ on. All right. Evaluate them uh-huh. based on the main gospel issues. That's the one part. Now, how do they live? They might be orthodox in their doctrine, but they might be lying hypocrites. They might be wolves in sheep's clothing. How do they live? Is right. this person practicing sexual immorality? Is this person an alcoholic or a drug addict? Is this, is this person uh-huh. stealing money, etc.? So if you see that the, the outward doctrine is accurate, but they are living in disobedience to God, they are hypocrites, then obviously you can't trust them. You say, I don't know how they're living personally. I just know what they're preaching publicly. Okay, well then see what accountability there is, all right? Are, are they regulated by any government organization? Are, are there books open? Are there other people that you do know that you can trust that can weigh in either way? And if you're not sure, then you simply need to pray, Lord, give me wisdom. I don't want to be hurt or misled by a false leader, but I don't want to miss something that you're blessing me with. And then ultimately know that your relationship, first and foremost, is with Jesus, your great shepherd, and then with a local community of believers. And that's where you can discern and weigh things together. Hey, friends, we're out of time, but hopefully you're finding these discussions constructive and giving you a model to follow as we discern and honor the Lord together. God bless.